LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve the Rogue Scholar. Like to let some folks trickle in here. We got a late start in getting the information out to people, unfortunately. Got to work on that, guys. Got to work on that, man. YouTube isn't helping us, and certainly no person outside of our little vector is helping us. And even people who are fellow travelers aren't sharing. So we got to do a better job getting the word out. That said, Today, um, find out that Scottus has overturned the student debt forgiveness. It's a bad deal, man. It's a bad deal. And um, it's a bullshit deal. And it wasn't 5-4, it was 6-3. Austerity is the way this entire society is wired. It's wired 100% around false narratives about being broke, about making people broke, about making life suck just a little bit more. Because when life sucks a little bit more, people do things that they probably wouldn't otherwise do. And when they do those things, guess what it does? It creates a market. It creates a market for capitalists to swoop in and make money off of the misery that was left in behind. Unfortunately, we see this all over the place. I mean, affirmative action was just turned on its head. Now, for those of you who have sucked on that big old conservative junk, big old sloppy, freaking disgusting conservative junk and just fellatioed that shit down, you are realizing point blank that the idea that the nation is broke and that people are you know, just not doing well. They're not the ne'er do goods. Okay. All the different narratives about how bad people are, the little people that are struggling are that do things, you know, to, to survive. I, I thought about this. It's like, I've had my car broken into, and it's a terrifying feeling to know that someone rummaged through your shit. It is. I'm not gonna lie. It's a terrifying feeling, but you know, damn well, that a person that breaks into a car and rummaging through your shit isn't getting rich rummaging through your shit, stealing your loose change in your uh, console of your vehicle. They're not getting rich doing it. There's a reason they're willing to scrounge for quarters. There's a reason why they're willing to risk going to jail for a few quarters or pennies that you've left in there. There's a reason. And, you know, the young kids that are going out there jacking cars, boosting cars, these kids aren't making big money. They're just pawns in a larger game. Those kids are trapped, caught up in a society that eats them and spits them out. All of this, though, is a narrative that doesn't have to be. doesn't have to be at all. But, alas, you've got the school to prison pipeline, way intact, very intact. As families suffer more, kids go straight to jail. They immediately violate some petty rule. They get caught with some weed. Something happens stupid. They jaywalk, right? 
we have built our society based on the very notion that if we starve the people, they're going to do very, very distorted, corrupt things. And by extension, where there's no peace, where there's no calm, where society is just humming along happily and, and cooperatively, there's no money to be made in joy, apparently. There's only money to be guaranteed made in poverty and misery. Okay? And, and this is what's happening. You know, I listen to friends, and I want to be crystal clear. When I say conservatives, I'm not just talking about Republicans. For the terrible, atrocious people out there that don't understand the difference between a Republican and a conservative, meaning that conservative could be a Democrat too, okay? Because there's bad people out there that pretend the Democrats aren't conservatives as well. There are evil people that defend the Democratic Party as if they're somehow or another not just Republicans with better bedside manners, okay? As a result of that, when I say conservatives, I'm talking about all people that feel you didn't do what you should have done. You deserve poverty. You deserve pain and suffering. You deserve to go to jail. You deserve to be bankrupt, to be poor, to be struggling because you didn't make the right decisions or whatever. And this entire mindset creeps through our entire society. Now, let me assure you, my guess is that there probably aren't a lot of Republicans that watch this show. My guess is that there's probably not a lot of conservative Democrats that watch this show. The flip side is, sadly, there's probably not a lot of leftists that should be watching this show, watching this show, okay? So when I talk, my tribe, the people I'm trying to reach, okay, are lefties. I'm also trying to reach open-minded conservatives, but my goal is left because that's who's supposed to be making the change. That's who's supposed to be doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. I expect the right wing to be fascist. I expect that. I expect them to punish people for making bad choices. I expect them to think that everybody should have to go through hell and back to carry the ice, 50 pounds of ice, 20 flights of stairs. I expect them to believe that everybody should have to walk to school and bare feet or whatever. I expect them to hold on to hard traditions that have been around forever that they just expect no matter what to stay in place. That's why they fought against student debt being canceled. That's why they fought against all these things. Their mindset is one of punishing absolute commitment to making your life absolutely fucking miserable, okay? Now, again, conservative. I didn't use the word Republican there. I hope that you're not one of those disgraceful people that conflates conservative with just Republican. I hope your mind is expanded enough you understand that conservatives are the people that want to hold on to tradition. They want to hold on to the way things are. They want to, they don't care if it helps people. If we change things, they're more comfortable if it stays the way it is. You know what I'm talking about? That is a conservative. And conservatives always put tradition above effective, put tradition and their comfort above solving problems, put all their bullshit ideas, anything that remotely 
would make them slightly uncomfortable, change in any way, okay? So let's be crystal clear here. This is not about Republicans only, okay? And so when you think about the lack of willingness to even understand society as a whole and look out for the people at the bottom, you have to start somewhere. You have to come up with a pathway through the door. And the way I think we need to look at this is understanding the role of when they reduce federal spending and the way that that matriculates, that punishing feeling of the federal government spends money into existence, keeps the world moving, keeps everybody going. And it matriculates to the states. And the states now have money because it's spent through the economy. And the local governments have money because it was spent at the federal level and then spent at the state level and then taxed again at the local level, municipal level. All of these things are very, very important to understand the way money gets into the economy. Okay? So if you understand that, you look at private debt as well. Okay? Private debt is the alternative to the government spending it. Because in the end, we've got to do whatever we've got to do to survive. And so people in that middle class, people that have a good job, people that, you know, take nothing away from anybody. I'm not here to denigrate people. The system is the system. You didn't create it. Trust me on that. I didn't create it. We just live it, right? We're living in this. So the people that are doing better than others, but not in the decision-maker class. They just have the luxury of ignoring the pain below them, okay? Those folks out there, when you start thinking about what they end up doing, the minute their ears perk up and they hear that the economy's going bad or that they're doing X, Y, Z, they immediately start making moves to protect themselves. And what do they do? They have this weird inverse desire to save. So they start pinching pennies and saving. So now not only the federal government stops spending money, but regular people stop spending money. In order to survive, they'll try to take out loans. They will borrow money. They will run their credit cards up. But in the end, even they have a cap. There's a cap for how much credit worthiness they have and how much credit that they can take on to keep the economy going. This is largely how Bill Clinton's economy kept going, okay? Now, flash forward a little bit, and let's look right now at the way society is. Once you turn that spigot off, the people that had records that are not able to get employed, the, the drug testing that keeps people out of jobs, all these things, it puts a whole nother class of people into this very precarious place of, I can't get credit. I can't get a job. They've cut spending, so there's no public services for me. What do I do? What do I do? And now all of a sudden they start looking for alternative ways of making money to survive. And it's sort of like I envision this. If you watch National Geographic or any of those shows, I envision this like the gazelle coming or the zebra coming up to the water hole. They're like, I need water. I fucking need water. If I don't drink water, I'm going to die. But the minute I put my head down there, there's going to be an alligator or a croc that comes up and grabs me. They know the game. They're waiting for me to do it. I know the game. I know they're there. I'm going to do it because I got to. What choice do I have? That is society as a whole when it comes to 
I've got to survive. If I don't make the bills, they're going to take my home. Or if I don't have a home, how am I going to eat? How am I ever going to be more than what I am today if I can't get myself stable even? How do I, if I can't eat, if I don't have shelter, if I don't have health care, how in the world do I reincorporate myself into this shitty system so that I can make money? How can I do any of this stuff? And unfortunately, they put the screws on every potential way that a regular person could earn an extra buck. Okay. And if you think about this, this is the problem with the universal basic income. Once you start giving people just money instead of attacking the structural system, instead of it actually benefiting the people, they instead turn austerity up and they cut the programs. Now that little bit of money you were given is there to pay for all those things that the federal government with its infinite buying power with its huge ability to negotiate pricing and to cover and buffer regular people from the impact. Now you've taken away that bargaining power of the big federal government and put it on some poor fuck that's been living under a bridge and tell them, yeah, go figure out your healthcare, dude. Go figure out your food. Go figure out your whatever. Now, there are evil people, and I love people that fight me on this word evil. I don't give a flying F if you like the word evil. It's fitting. There are evil people out there that know that poverty exists. And rather than try to get to the root of why it exists and get to the root of why people do things that break the law, okay, to survive, they would rather punch down on that person. They would rather denigrate and demonize that person that is just trying to survive, okay? Now, guess what? When you support austerity, when you vote blue no matter who, and they're talking about deficit reduction, you create the very grounds by which those poor people, those people that are literally desperate, you create the very conditions that make them do the things that they do. And now all of a sudden they're in jail. And you can even see your well-meaning friends going, oh, don't go near them. I heard they have a record. Don't go near them. I heard that they are a bad person. Don't go near them. I heard that they had a drug problem. Or don't go near them. I heard they have a whatever. Okay? Each of these things excommunicate and create this chasm between the poor. But the poor are the result, an intended result, by the way, of the way austerity works. It's there to serve as your wake-up call that if you don't toe the line, you're going to go down their fucking deal. You're going to be poor. You're going to be scraping by. You're going to be the one dealing with the pain and suffering. Okay? So with that in mind, I did a video a long time ago called It's Expensive to be Poor. And, you know, per the usual, for whatever reason, likes and clicks and bullshit on other alt media channels gets all the love. But the reality is, is that you look at places like Ferguson back when, uh, you know, the shooting occurred there in Ferguson. What happened? Poor young black guy gets gunned down, laying there in the fucking hot sun, just in the middle of the street for hours and hours and hours. But it was all predicated upon Ferguson police needing to fund their operation. So what do they do? Money's dried up. Federal government's cut spending. 
State governments have cut spending. Local police departments start saying, how can we make money? So they start predating on the poor people that they're there to protect and serve, right? Protect and serve. We'll get to that in a minute. And what do they do? They start jacking up fines, fees, and penalties on the poor. They start extracting a poor, a poverty tax out of them to fund their shit. Okay. And this all looks good on the bottom line. But this is a business decision. It's a political decision, one that doesn't have to be. But unfortunately, we've allowed it to condition us. So there's people out there that were actually actively fighting tooth and nail to prevent student debt relief. You'd have to be the most disgraceful, disgusting, evil, evil, evil person to fight against student debt cancellation. You would have to be such a shitty fucking person that shitty doesn't even begin to describe who you are as a human being. You're the worst society has to offer because you're creating the very conditions by which people will once again be strapped to the gills. They went and got a goddamn degree with the intent of trying to survive your shitty economy. Well, guess what, folks? You can have master's degrees coming out your ass. And there isn't the kind of jobs out there that make the investment in your education worthwhile. It doesn't mean education's not good. It just means there's disgraceful people out there that want to make life so punitive, so tough, so awful that they support austerity measures. They support raising taxes to pay for things. They support cutting spending. They support eliminating programs. They support all the things that ultimately create the conditions. Now, this all, this live stream, aside from the fact that Scottis ruled shitty on the student debt, and aside from the fact that Scottis also ruled shitty on affirmative action, I'm watching friends from back home where I grew up in Charles County, Maryland. Charles County, Maryland is a suburb about 25 miles outside of the nation's capital. It's considered part of the larger Washmet region. It's suburban D.C. It's suburban Maryland, southern Maryland, okay? And I'm watching friends of mine sitting there saying, "We, I can't wait to move out of here. And they're showing like carjackings. They're showing theft. It's not the area. People aren't necessarily bad. People are desperate. You're not getting rich doing these things. You're desperate. But the same people that don't want those people in their backyard are the same people that would vote for austerity. They're the same people that are whining about Brandon. Brandon spending trillions. When Brandon is out there busy selling the idea that he just reduced the deficit by 1.7 trillion. Okay. So let's be clear. Yo, this is a bipartisan fuckery. This is a class war. Okay. Against we, the working class. And unfortunately, because some of you, some of us, some of all of us are doing a little bit better than others. We assume that if we just keep our mouths shut and our eyes forward, that this will just go away, that we don't have to worry about the people who are struggling and dying. There are trash trolls out there that get all hell-bent because of the way I say things. And to them, I say, good, fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself hard right in the ear because you're not actively fighting against poverty. You're not actively bringing out the stories. You're not actively talking about what is happening, the relationship between cutting spending 
and how it ends up causing these very situations. When you have no choice but to rob someone, when you have no choice but to break the law, okay? Now, this weekend, Saturday, tomorrow that is, we have a macaroni and cheese episode that will be coming out that you won't want to miss. You know, my guy David and his buddy Taylor, Tyler, that wrote the book Police a Field Guide, they did an RP Live with us. We've turned it into a really great podcast. I hope you'll enjoy it. But one of the things that happened with my interview, my first interview with David Correa, um, going back, I guess it was a month and a half ago, two months ago, David uh, spoke eloquently about police abolition and explained why police abolition was so vital. And he talked about how police are vital to maintaining order for capitalism, that they were there before austerity, that they were there before any of this stuff, that the police were a necessary ingredient because nobody would buy capitalism without the police. The police keep us scared because they never come to really protect and serve. They always come with the arrogance and the puffed out chest. They're going to let you know how it is, you know, et cetera. They create the very conditions that create so many death by cop scenarios. There's so much of this. But you have to understand the way this stacks up so you can figure out how to change this Jenga puzzle, okay? The police were around back in the coal miner days when the coal miners decided they were going to revolt and re they weren't going to work the mines until things got changed, till they had better working conditions. And what happened? The mining companies brought in private militias that were de facto police. And they came in there and started killing the miners to get their asses back to work. This is what the people that won't do any kind of volunteer work, that won't join a union, that won't participate in any kind of activism, that just, yeah, somebody else will do it. No. You know, these guys sent fucking thugs down there with guns to fucking get the miners back to work. Police are a necessary condition for maintaining private property. And what is private property? Well, in good times, most people don't think about private property quite the same way. But when the austerity kicks in, the people that have something, have something people need, something that they want even, they're tired of seeing some people win and some people lose. And that builds up until it becomes violence in the streets. And then guess what happens? Yes, your right-wing thugs with guns and AR-15s decide now's the time we got to stock up on weapons because there's going to be a race war out there. There's going to be a, a whatever. Hey, you better watch out. These people are coming there. I don't know what's happening in the world today. Why are they breaking into houses suddenly? I don't know. Why are they breaking into cars? Why are they stealing cars? It's like these are some basic fucking things about austerity. So the police are there to enforce this law and order, to make sure that capital can keep doing its thing. It protects private property. It protects it. It does not protect regular citizens. It always comes at you as if you're the problem. And guess what? On the global stage, we don't use police per se. We use NATO. We use the uh, confessions of an economic hitman. We send the good guys out there in suits, okay? To go out there and make deals with these other countries 
that they have no choice but to accept because to say no is basically signing their death warrant. And the police are used, the cops are used, the military is used, these private mercenaries are used to defend the capital order at all costs, to maintain the illusion that everything's okay, to maintain the illusion that everyone is fine. And if you dare buck it, then you're the one that's wrong. You are the one that was disrespectful to a cop. You're the one that spoke back. You dared puff up and not go along to get along with the police officer. Why? Because police are there to create order. And whatever that order is, it's whatever they deem it to be in their brain. There's no anything. And then every so often they'll do some reforms to kind of put lipstick on a pig, literally, to make you think that everything's hunky-dory and A-OK. Oh, they're doing better. We've got... We've got dash cams. Oh, we've got lapel cams. Oh, we've got whatever. Oh, we've got recordings of everything. Well, they redact it. They change it. And even with that in mind, the point of policing is always dealing with the results of some austerity-based condition that the government itself created, and it knew it was going to create more crime. It knew it was going to do that. And then it presented the solution by creating more militarized pigs, cops in jackbooted thugs in their armored vehicles and their armored helmets and their night vision goggles. This is all a result of austerity. They'll keep raising the amount of money spent into the military, keep raising the amount of money spent into the police. But the minute you tell them you want single-payer health care, We don't have it. We're broke. So the way out of this is to spend on the people to provide the necessary services, not the money, the services, so that we don't even see the money. We don't even need to know the money. They just provide it to us. The government, it alone handles the money. Pays whoever needs to do the service, but provides the service regardless of inflation, regardless of anything else. But lo and behold, if you don't understand the hierarchy of the way I've laid this out, it's going to be hard for you to think about this as anything other. How come they have money for Ukraine, but they don't have money for school? How come they have money for wars for oil, but they don't have money for health care? These are stupid questions. They're questions that you should know by now. They do have money. They create it out of thin air. They choose not to because if they give it to you, they've boxed out capital. So they want to make sure that they don't crowd out the opportunities for capital and allow capitalism to run rampant over us. Unelected scum literally using us as profits are, we are consumption units. And the more they tighten the screws, the more they can create new industries to keep us safe from the fiasco that they've created through the austerity. I mean, you look at Cop City, you look at all the other stuff that's going on, and it doesn't take much to understand. They are trying to jackboot this place up. They are trying all around the country to increase policing because crime is on the rise. 
We need all these guns. Why? Because crime is on the rise. This is not to denigrate anyone who's experienced violence or pain at the end of somebody who's suffering or who is, you know, outside of the system trying to survive and doing these things. They, they're really causing harm. They are causing harm. But the harm that they're causing is a tertiary thing. It's, a, it's downstream. The reason why it's even happening is because of austerity. Right at the top of this, right at the fucking top of this, it is not spending on the people. And it's leaving you at the whim of somebody that's got a profit motive to solve whatever it is that you're doing. This is fundamental to capitalism, everything I've just stated. And so when you look at the Democratic Party, just know the Democratic Party has flat out told you they are against capitalism. Look, I mean, against socialism. Look, Ro Khanna and all your favorite progressives out there signed a thing basically voting against socialism, denouncing socialism. This isn't just the Republicans. Republicans that went the extra mile and tried to outlaw, ban modern monetary theory. Fucking idiots. Okay? All these things provide ways out of this fucking shit show. But we can't get people to listen. Why? Because they would rather chase likes and clicks on other alt-media places. Or you get small fish wanting to be a big fish in a small pond, and they decide to take their ball and go try and do their own show or do their own thing, whatever. Fuck it, man. Just fucking focus on the real truths here. And if you don't understand this stuff, pick up a book. Crack the spine of a book and do some reading. Okay? Because what's happening is going to continue happening, and it's getting uglier by the minute. As you watch the right way, fuck you and your two sides of the same bird thing. The whole fucking system of capitalism meets fake democracy, this fraudulent cosplay of a democracy. Okay? The Republicans' goal in this, their job in this game of cosplay is to present the most absolutely unappealing, most strident, horrible, worst conditions ever. And that allows the Democrats to look like they're there to help you while simultaneously doing the exact same financial thing that the Republicans were going to do. The only difference is they use the scare tactics on the other side. But what happens when you're talking to someone, it's very hard to tell them, hey, there's no crime. What are you talking about? Why? Because they don't see the tie-in with austerity. And why is that? Because shitty people out there have decided they're not going to talk about austerity as murder. Okay? They've decided to ignore the image. Again, I said this the other day. I'll say it now. There are people out there advocating for Medicare for all that refuse to inject the MMT into their constant barrage of talking points. They would rather talk about nonsensical, idiotic things than directly address austerity and directly address how money is created through the federal government, through a bill, an act of Congress, spending it into existence. They won't talk about that. Why? You'll have to ask them. You might want to ask them, why the fuck are they contributing to an austerity culture? They say they're for Medicare for all. They say they're for a Green New Deal. They say they're for student debt cancellation, but they won't talk about the stuff. Why not? Why not? Why won't they? 
doesn't that kind of make them complicit in all the pain and suffering? I think it does. There are those that disagree with me. I don't care. I'm not in the business of getting you to agree with me. If you don't agree with me, I guarantee if you take a little bit more time to research the facts, you'll find I'm correct. Every one of us plays a part in this austerity narrative when we don't push back. When we don't push back, we are the cause. When we don't fight back and we don't present things in a coherent fashion, we, we don't stand up for those without a voice, the poor that are suffering at the result of this austerity. When we don't do that, you can assure yourself that the other side does. The narrative is delicious. Of course, these fucking scumbags raiding our cars, carjacking, stealing from us. It makes sense. Because they are stealing from you. They are shooting you in a carjacking. They are doing these things. But why have you given them any real choice? Generational poverty is horrible because we, we transition all the bad thoughts, all the bad feelings, all the bad habits, all the different views of the world, we transfer that to the next generation. And we create this self-perpetuating cycle where they end up having to do whatever they have to do instead of breaking out. But you can't really guarantee you can break out because capitalism is full of these cute quotes, cute ideas. Hard work will get you to the finish line, baby. All it takes is some persistence. That struggle right there, that struggle is how you get there. You know, you can't have a testimony without a test. And so they boost you up with all this bullshit to make you think that the problem is really your fault. It's really just your fault. If you actually went to the mat and did all the hard work and you went to school and you did this and that and the other, you too could make it. But what happens when you do all those things and you still can't make it? What happens when the jobs just aren't there, the good jobs, the jobs that allow you to have a family, that allow you to take care of your children, allow you to do their homework with them? You know, all the things that people that have money take for granted. You know, I, I think to myself, you know, what kind of mindset does someone have that and and I'm saying this, and folks, if you if you're one of the people that I'm talking about here, sort of know that I'm not talking about you when I talk about what I'm about to say. I'm I'm hedging my bets here because I I know there's people that are going to upset when I say what I say here. But when you're one of those parents that got enough money to pay for your kid's school, you got to ask yourself how distant that is from the person that doesn't have any money, who literally doesn't have a home. Maybe they're behind on their taxes so they can't even get student loans. They have no family to help contribute to their loans. They have no way out at all. But there's so many Karens out there, so many fucking bougie, well-to-do people out there that live a certain type of way that their ears are so blocked from poverty. They're blocked from what's happening that they think that they're being noble paying the kids tuition, paying for all the kids things to do. When in reality, the problem is, is that by enabling this cost to keep going up and up and up, by not finding a way to 
literally fight back. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it now. If you got the money, you pay for it, whatever. But the inequality that it breeds is ridiculous because, well, she did it. He did it. They were able to pay for it. Why can't you? Why can't you, you ne'er do good? You know? Why can't you? And so until you disabuse people of the austerity narrative, until you disabuse people of the taxes fund spending narrative, they're left believing that their hard-earned tax is paying for you to go to school. It's paying for you to uh, get uh, welfare. It's paying for you to have food. You know, and these, these myths create a- anger and rage and you are stealing from me. You're taking from me. You're taking from my family and I worked really hard. And they did. They may have worked really hard and they're sitting there struggling. They're like saying, hey, why in the world should I work Friday night while you're out there smoking a joint and jerking off and playing games with girls or whatever? You know, it's always fun in the sun being poor, right? Why should I, you know, pay for your bad decisions? And so the the rich, that the, the, the oligarchs that create these scenarios, they never ever have to even answer for it. Because the people down here, that that middle row, that are doing pretty good, that are handling their kids, giving them everything they want in life, they are not willing to fight for down here. They're protecting what's theirs. They're like, well, I worked hard and I earned that money. I deserve to be well off. I deserve these things. You didn't. You don't deserve it. You see how that is? You're not even dealing with the ruling class that created the problem to begin with. You're only dealing with each other at the bottom fighting. It's like crabs in a barrel. And so the person down here sees some bougie centrist middle-class person voting for someone who is sitting there saying, I'm not going to pay for free school for them. Why should I do that? That's irresponsible. Okay. And they're seeing that and they're saying, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to sneak in your door and I'm going to put you to death when you're asleep. I'm going to chase after you in a car. I'm going to steal your car. I'm going to break into your home. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. In the end, you get all these narratives in your brain and you never, ever fundamentally understand the austerity in the system is creating this sick neoliberal fucking hellscape that we all have to navigate. And it takes a tremendous amount of willpower and effort to not fall into it and to stay apart and to stay focused on economic justice. Because in the end, when you understand that these narratives, I mean, Margaret Thatcher said, there is no such thing as public money, only taxpayer money. And she did that for a reason. She wanted everybody to feel like they were the ones funding these programs and that there were people going to leech on them and steal from them and skis on them and be parasites, you name it. Ronald Reagan said the same shit in the U.S. And it stuck like you wouldn't believe. Okay, Bernie Sanders' idea of would you do something for a person that you don't know kind of thing? Would you would you take one for the team for someone you would you fight for someone you don't know? 
I mean, Bernie may have been a sellout and everything else, but I'm looking at leftists and they're preaching fucking sound finance. They're preaching Sig Heil right-wing economics. And when I see that, I say, well, who's better? Anybody better? Is there anybody better? To me, the only better is the people that get economics, okay? If you don't get economics, in the end, you're going to push austerity as well and not realize it. We got to cut spending here to spend over there. So until we nip this fucker in the butt, until we get this down, every one of these stupid, I mean, fucking worthless campaigns for president, these just pathetic excuses for human beings running for office out there talking about taxpayer dollars, these worthless fuckers. And they're busy reinforcing it once again. And there's sad sacks out there that are already cheering for somebody for the primaries or cheering for someone. And they're saying the same shit about taxpayer money. And they're creating austerity, even though they're saying the nice things you want them to say about Medicare for all. They're saying whatever you want to hear, but they're not saying the core thing that allows us to get past that. They are part of the problem. Look, Democrats forever have been able to tell you they want to give you nice things, but then they simultaneously want to raise taxes. They want to simultaneously create austerity. And because people don't understand, because they think that when you're paying tax money, it just came out of nowhere. They don't realize the state created the money to begin with in the first place. And banks create money too, just like the government. The difference is it's not the same kind of money. They're creating loans. Loans create deposits and loans have to be paid back. And when they're paid back, the only thing the bank keeps is the interest. That's the way the charters were set up by your federal government. Your banking charters that each bank gets are a function of law. They're given a de facto agency, if you will, to be able to create loans, to be able to create money. Okay, that is a result of Congress delegating that authority out to agents. Well, unfortunately, we can't make people realize that they don't stay. They don't stay there. They won't fucking hold on to that. Instead, they have stupid things to say about petrodollars, stupid things to say about the bricks, when the bricks come, oh my God, we're not going to be able to have any money in the United States. Fucking shut up. Jesus Christ. It's like being stupid is, an, is a decision or a choice. When you sit there and talk about the bricks, we should not be all worried about the bricks. This is a good thing. We want to be split apart. We don't want empire bleeding out the global South anymore. We don't want empire destroying. The bricks coming through the door take away some of the U.S.'s empire, their, their ability to exact the price. That's a good thing. But it doesn't change the fact that the U.S. has 800 military bases around the world. It doesn't change the fact that the dollar is completely held up by a gun, just like in the United States where the police are what enforces it. Around the world, the U.S.'s giant military enforces it as well. So until somebody's badass enough to take on 
U.S. military. And I assure you, even China's not up for the task. China and Russia together are not up for the task. And if it got stupid, there'd be nuclear war. This is a real problem. Everybody thinks there's just confidence in the dollar. Yeah, tell that to somebody when they're coming there with a tank, when they're coming there with hellfires. Somebody. Focus on the reality. Focus on the reality that in the end, that military is there to enforce our global position. It's there to enforce everything that we think just happens. They're there to ensure that it happens. Okay? And it all trickles back to the poor in this country. And many of the leftists in this nation do not focus on domestic policy. They don't focus on the poor in this country. All they focus on is Ukraine and Azov Battalion and 900-member Azov Battalion and Nazis and blah, blah, blah. I get it. Great. But there's a lot more to this story than that, a way, way more to this story than that. But that's the stunted nature of the communications out there. They know, they know every fucking officer in the Ukraine army, in the Azov Battalion, they even know their serial number, but they can't fucking learn MMT? Really? Really? Seriously? They can tell you the shoe size of some random fucking grunt in the Azov Battalion, but they can't explain MMT to you. They come back, oh, it's printing money. But they can tell you the hat size of the secretary for some Ukraine commander or some random Russian captain somewhere. But they can't tell you about MMT. Why? Why is that? Seriously, why is that? And so as a result, because that whole connection between the military, the police, austerity, capitalism, the U.S. domestic economy, and the global economy, just microcosm. The U.S. is a microcosm of the bigger picture. Okay? Austerity is used to create the conditions that create the need for war, the need for police, the need for all these things. And why do they do it? Because we need examples. We must make examples of them. We must make examples. In the end, in the end, we are left with our friends and our family completely without a paddle in the water. We don't know who our champions are because we don't know why it's happening. We just know that crime goes up, People are struggling. and We haven't got a clue. Whatever's going on with the business community. And then you focus on the CEOs who are price gouging and who are uh, pocketing big windfall profits. Well, guess who could fix that in a heartbeat, folks? Your federal government that creates the entire structure that allows for business to flourish domestically and internationally. And they intentionally allow this to happen. They intentionally pass laws to make it happen. 
what could be more important to organize around to literally build battalions of trained weaponized brains that can go out and spread this word and go out there and fight where the austerity is see we want to focus on the the police down at the local level we want to focus on the bad guy in the town square we want to focus on the the governor reality is it's way up here it's at the national it's at the fed they know what they're doing they're making sure the rich keep getting paid with interest rate hikes and they're making sure also that they're cutting all the spending all the potential get out of jail all the potential life embettering or uh, enriching things that could happen so you ask yourself well, how do we fix this well, you look at the children still sucking lollipops and believing in the tooth fairy, and they're going to tell you, we're going to vote for it. We're going to vote our way to a new tomorrow, baby. We're just going to vote for Marianne Williamson. It'll all be better. We'll vote for RFK, and we can all tell everybody that vaccines cause autism. Dumbass. We'll vote for Cornell West. Well, guess what, Cornell? Love you to death. You don't know MMT. And worse, the duopoly holds the keys to the kingdom of this charade we call politics. Everybody wants to avoid the very real truth that working together outside the political spectrum, working together to build power outside, to force, to show up in numbers and say, you cut that fucking spending one more time, you're gonna have to deal with the entire nation on your fucking head. They won't do that. We won't do that because we think it's just a lot easier if I just go vote. If I just go vote, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier, isn't it? I'll just go vote. Fuck organizing. Fuck direct action. Fuck mutual aid. Fuck anything. I, I'm just going to go vote. I, I, got, I got my new hero to worship. I'm going to vote now. Let me do my thing. Let me get my swerve on. It's kind of shameful how much effort people will go through to avoid realizing that you haven't voted your way to a Green New Deal or Medicare for All or student debt cancellation or anything else, even with the Democratic Party having a supermajority. There was still a parliamentarian there that was able to fucking derail things. There was still cinema. There's still mansion. There's still somebody there. And then when you have no no veil to hide and you try and force them to vote on medicare for all you realize they won't do it why not and why suddenly in a lame duck congress do they decide that they're going to try and bring up medicare for all again i'm sure they're very serious this time i'm positive they're serious positive it's not performative honest honest Cracks me up. I, when I hear people say they're going to vote, blah, blah, blah. If you can show me that you voted and it's done anything, I'll listen to you. In the future, I'll listen to you. But I'm 54 years old, and I've watched time and again that everybody sells you, oh, you got to vote. No, no, Steve. No, we've got to do it. We've got to do both. we got to walk and chew gum. We've got we to gotta do this. I say, show me some fucking proof that what you're saying is real. 
point in case, Bernie Sanders was kicking everyone's ass in the 2020 primary. Everyone's ass. It was so over the top in the beginning. They had 450 million people they decided to try and run for office to make sure they could dilute it. And he still was winning. And when it came to Super Tuesday, he realized point blank. If we allow Bernie to do this, he might win. So Obama did what Democrats do. They put the thumb right there on the scale and they made sure it didn't happen. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? There was no direct action. There was nothing. Why? Because people believed that it was a fair election. Sure. Yeah, Bernie didn't have a chance anyway. I'm not here to tell you Bernie Sanders is the answer to anything. I'm here to tell you that your idea of voting your way to the finish line is a crock shit. And proof is not on your side. You've got no evidence to suggest you're correct. Zero, by the way. And the unfortunate thing is, is that because of that, you can see that there's no direct relationship to people saying, fuck this, I'm going to organize outside of this. And people scratch their head and they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean organize outside this? What do you mean? Well, what I mean by that is you create home groups. You create groups where you teach people and you educate them so they know what the fuck the score is. So they're not carrying that fucking dead carcass of a brain around anymore. That they're now renewed and turned into someone that understands what the fuck's going on around them. And you build locally and then you have them slowly, snowflake, working through society, building out power at each of these local groups, local home groups, each one of them doing this. You got to be a good person to want to do this. A bad person will find a lazy excuse not to do it. Okay. That's the truth. Lazy people will find ways out. When I say lazy, I'm not talking about go get a job lazy. I'm talking about people that fucking are afraid to look at the truth. And the truth is you can't vote your way to the finish line. That's the problem. You can get mad at me all you want, but show me the fucking evidence that your idea is correct. Show me one time you voted for a progressive and change occurred. I got time. Well, I'm 54. I don't know how much time I have. I'm getting old. And I'm tired of thinking that my kids are going to inherit an earth that has got no protectors. I'm tired of believing that my arthritic ass has to live forever to protect my son from a group of people that won't learn about austerity, that won't learn about MMT, that won't bother in, to endeavor to stay focused and on point, that wander away and get caught up. Tell me one thing about JFK that has anything to do with austerity is murder and that he understands how uh, the finance system works. He doesn't. Fucking ignoramus. He's a capitalist through and through. This fucker wants to have free markets for everything. He is an L-O-L-bertarian. The worst, but he has a couple of neat things because he's he's anti-vax. Oh, that makes RFK the greatest. Fuck you. No, it doesn't. And Marianne Williamson says all the right things about these things, but when it comes down to it, she's out there today pushing taxpayer dollar myth, even though she's been told countless times. She's been given the fucking deficit myth book. She knows the truth. But lo and behold, she's still doing it. So you go keep putting an austerity hound in office. Go ahead and feel your, uh, sow your oats. 
Go hero worship one more time. Go door knock, phone bank, be all you can be. Show us how it's done. In the end, I'm dead serious here. In the end, if you guys want to see the change, you're going to have to accept that you've got to do something different. And that means it isn't every two years or every four years there's a campaign or every six years there's a Senate campaign or whatever. It means you need to be organizing so year-round there is a steady group of people that are being educated and trained up, ready to fight back. Ready to stand in front of Congress. Ready to stand in front of the courthouses. Ready to stand in front of judges' homes. Ready to stand in front of block traffic. Do whatever at all times and communicating throughout the, this neural network across the United States. But we won't do that. Why? Because we're going to niggle over some fucking bullshit esoteric debate that Stalin had with Trotsky. A hundred years ago, it's the most important thing we're going to fight about today. It's super important, super important to do the things that you know you need to do. And as a nonprofit, we have a 501c3 and a 501c4. It'd be great if we could try to build some of that. It would be great if we had people that felt convicted to build some of that. It would be great to believe that we could build that or join forces with people that are willing to build that. But alas, egos and unwillingness to learn economics and focus on austerity as the number one issue because it is what creates, it's the tool used around the world. It's what we use around the globe. It's what we use here at home. If we don't fix this problem, we don't attack this problem. Everything you want, everything you think you need, you name it, everything. It's not going to happen. It's just simply not going to happen. Yes, I like this. The French working class seem to be addressing the policy of austerity for them. Amen. We need to see them do it here in the United States, though. All right, with that, I'm up against the wall. I got a skedaddle. I hope this was useful. I'm still pissed at so many of my friends from back home worrying about the poor people breaking into cars and stuff instead of focusing on austerity. But that's what we're up against. That's the fight. Check out. Uh, macaron cheese tomorrow morning. David Correa and Tyler Wall. It's going to be amazing. Great podcast. Check it out. It's on all major podcast platforms released 8 a.m. Um, with that, I'm Steve Grumbine, the Rogue Scholar, and I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 